Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alberigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Allie. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Been busier than I'm ever. Yeah, yeah. You too? Yeah, I mean, we're just going through all of the, uh, you know, sign-ups for the uh, uh, summer program and, you know, trying to enroll them before the end of the month. And uh, some of them actually go into September as well. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at hopefully 24 or, excuse me, 22 to 25 new members uh, from wow. the summer program. So. That's amazing. I really, I mean, even my other buddy, uh, John Oslaughter from Nakado, he did like 45, 50 signups over the summer and um, he's doing so well with it, but, but it's all about the conversion, right? I know, um, did you charge for your summer trial? Yeah, it was only uh, $49 for three months and a free uniform and a free belt testing. But, um, but when you think about that, like I, you know, sometimes I think of like some people say, I don't do birthday parties because we never get enrollments out of them. And I say, but do you charge for your birthday parties? And they say, yeah, how much do you charge? Let's say 200. So I go, okay, so you're making, I don't know, $100 on it. I go, if you do, you know, you do 50 birthday parties, that's five grand for the year. So you did $49. What do you net on that? Maybe like 20 bucks, $25. Um, yeah, I, I would say, let's say $29. Yeah. Yeah. So 30 bucks. And how many did you say you signed up? Uh, we did, well, we did 44 for the trial. Okay. Yeah. So you're so, looking at right there is like, you know, whatever, you know, $30 times 44. What is that? Uh, you know, $1,200 in income, right? I mean, you can't, even if it was just income, Starbucks wouldn't say, um, you know, hey, I don't want to sell those cookies because they only make us a dollar, but you sell a million of them a year, right? Like, so we always forget that it's all about, you know, many flows and sources of income coming in as a stream. Of course, the lead and the sign-up is the most important thing, but it's not. It's never a bad thing when you sign people up, even if they don't join. Right. Right? Well, and, makes and sense. people, even though they're, yeah, and even though they were a summer uh, special. Uh, some of them bought the T-shirts for T-shirt summer. Heck, some of them right. bought two of them. Yeah. Um, a couple of them did the overnighter that we did. Um, right. A few of them did the summer camps that we did. So there yeah. was, you know, other income that we probably wouldn't have got from them. Yeah, and goodwill and good word, right? You know, like they're out right. there, even if they don't join because let's say they have a hectic schedule for whatever reason, but they loved it and they had a good experience. Now they're talking about you. Just recently I had uh, people inquiring in, a, in my town, um, moms from West Islip, and some people are asking, hey, I'm looking for a martial arts school. And uh, one of my old students who broke off on their own, the moms that are with him now, they're always pu pumping him. But, like, I was really proud, like, seven or eight of my parents go, we go to Long Island and Jitsu Center. And another few moms said, oh, we just scheduled a trial class with them. So that vibe and that energy from all the great community service that you do, you know, and, and by the way, these free trials, summer specials, you know, two-month programs that we do for a discount, they're all part of community service, building the brand and giving us a chance to give people a taste. And even if it's not the right thing for them, if they feel like, you know, hey, listen, they go to an Indian restaurant and they had the greatest service ever, but they just don't like the taste of it, um, they still would talk highly about it as long as they had a great experience. And that's what we forget sometimes is that customer service experience. Yeah, I figure, number one, I want to be the first first studio that they ever visit. So if right. they ever visit another one again, they go, oh, my gosh. Right. You know, yeah. and and even if they don't want to do it, they'll go, oh, well, my son or daughter went to this place for a trial or a birthday party or whatever. Uh, yeah. Why don't you check them out? Because I hear nothing but good things about them. Right. Exactly. So that's part of why we do all this. And I'm glad that we just kind of put that out there so people get to hear that perspective. Right. Yeah. So, so today, uh, today. Yeah. Go on. Well, I was going to say today. You know, we always chat, you and I, so the listeners could hear how we come up with these things. But normally they're kind of um, they're kind of like offshoots of my life during what I'm going through on that particular week or month. And um, I'm talking about something or thinking about something or you are. And we go, hey, how about we chat about this? So today we wanted to talk about legacy, you know, curriculum. And um, I think that that's something, you know, we're always talking about business concepts, business principles, how to sell, how to market, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but um, there's one, probably the most important underlining value of a school is um, whether it is a, a school that people want to be in, that they, they have a legacy to follow. Like, for instance, I just saw, who's a very famous martial artist, you probably know her, Christine Bannon Rodriguez. 
she just posted on her Facebook page this morning a comment that said uh, there was like a meme, and the meme said, um, uh, quitting karate after getting your black belt is like getting your driver's license and ne never driving. And while I agree with this, and I'm sure you do as well, I also have heard numerous times over my last vast 28 years of dealing with families and students and so on, and having hundreds of black belts, you know, under me, um, you know, I often think about it, how, how people think from their perspective, right? So I wrote, the, my comment back was, however true this is, it's a plague within our industry. It's like runners that run a marathon and then complete it and never do it again. They check the box and they say, next, like, what else am I moving on to? Um, right. This is not the mentality of the martial arts. However, it is the mentality of our society. As much as we shake our heads, um, as much as we shake our heads, we have to be in the minds and, and set goals. We have to be in their minds and set goals long before their black belt. And we have to, they're at brown belt going for black. We have to be setting goals for second degree because if they hit that black belt, they feel like they ran through and hit the rope or that string and they've done that marathon, right? And they're like, okay, I don't see a benefit in continuing. We have to show them that benefit. There's a need to continue forward. Um, right. And I also wrote the same statement would be true if you said, uh, Wow, they went to college and now they they graduated and they no longer want to go, right? They they then um, have to have a vision and a mental completion at the at the new goals and then move on to the next ones, right? So that's where legacy and curriculum. And isn't this weird? It's serendipitous that I get this text and I comment on it right before our call, and it's about what we were going to chat about. So um, you know that's very, and, and Christine wrote back. I agree. We stress. How once you earn your black belt, now the fun begins. The learning is a whole different level. Proud to say we have many students with us for 20 to 30 years, she wrote. So she's pre-framing them, right, and, and maybe post-framing them for the next or the, you know, the whatever, the, you know, the, what they're experiencing right at this moment. So, like, what, what did you do when you – do you have a set curriculum that was passed down to you from your teachers, or did you come up with – a curriculum when you opened your school and said, this is what I want to do. Tell everyone about how you did it. Cause you have a super successful school. Yeah. Well, I, I, at the onset, I was using whatever I had learned from, you know, my uh, organization that I belong to uh, and the previous one as well. Uh, so I, I was using those and that was about the time that I really was introduced to other things through NAPMA. Um, right. And I, you know, I go, oh, my gosh, there's so much more out there. And, you know, this one little art that I'm doing doesn't have everything. Uh, and I, I saw that there was a lot of deficiencies. And so, I mean, I went from organization to organization, seminar to seminar, different types of martial arts to kind of fill in the gaps to right. make my students a little more well-rounded, um, if that makes sense. And so that was my first that was my first uh, – um, that was the first thing that I actually probably did was, you know, decide, all right, here's the set traditional curriculum. But, um, you know, I like some of the traditional self-defense, but there is some really good street self-defense that needs to be intertwined. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a process, I would say. Right. You know, it was – now I have a hybrid, you know, where – I would say it's probably, I don't know, uh, fifty percent uh, still traditional, and then the rest is, you know, uh, a hybrid, or mm -hmm. sixty forty, maybe sixty percent traditional, and the rest hybrid. Yeah, uh, but it may, maybe maybe it fluctuates. And then once yeah. we got into our black belt levels, I wanted that to be totally different. Maybe we can get into right. that in just a second because I I wanted to design that in such a way that. Um, you know, people would go, oh, my gosh, I want to learn how to do that, you know, type thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I love there's there's a few things that you said that, that I – key words that stick in my head when you were talking. Number one, it's a hybrid, right? That's, a, that's you know, you're, you're kind of like part of what you learn from your teachers and the traditions, and then, um, then all your knowledge that you've acquired over the years as a speaker, as an owner, as a person, as a reader, and – and, and a, con a continuous student of life, 
you've added that into your school. That's why I laugh sometimes when people, I've had a few parents in the past, you know, that were angry with me for whatever reason. And they said, hey, you're not the only game in town. You know, I could go to 50 other karate schools within a three-mile radius. And they're right. However, they're wrong about I'm not the only game in town because for what I do, um, I'm lucky. I, you know, I trained in ninjutsu classically in Japan, traveled there 17 times. My teachers in America were American ninjutsu stylists. So I had all of this, but I do uh, share my Aikido background, which I trained with, uh, you know, shortly with Steven Seagal. And I've trained in Aikido with my cousin who was a third degree black belt and, um, other styles like uh, Filipino martial arts, but what I, my crux of what I do is ninjutsu and jujitsu. But you're right, though, the curriculum is a little bit of what I learned from everybody, mainly following the system from my teacher from Japan. Um, however, it's part of me, and it's become the legacy, right? It's, it's our le- legacy, your legacy, right? And um, now your students could then, if they wanted to take that curriculum that you developed, and pa- if we disappeared off the planet tomorrow, they could pass that on. They could, um, they could be a part of it. You know, they could share what you've taught them, the systematic approach and the way your curriculum is taught to others, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I think it's been designed in such a way now, even with the lesson plans, because that's a whole other topic too, but even with the lesson plans uh, has, has helped to make the curriculum even, uh, even stronger and then reinforced um, you know, reinforce the curriculum, if that makes sense. It does. It totally makes sense. And then I love what you said, too, like there, the black belt curriculum that you developed. You wanted it to be something so much more maybe different. Um, you know, I, I look at everything in the um, in the mindset. I try to separate us out, and I try to say, okay, what would other uh, industries do? Like what would – what would make a doctor and, – and here's the thing, though. There, there is a major flaw with medical industry, too. Like, I go to my doctor and I say, hey, doc, did you ever hear about – you know, because I'm a diabetic, and, and I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but, I mean, um, I never really talk about it, but I'm a diabetic. So I'll say to my doctor, hey, my friend just got pancreas replacement surgery about seven years ago, and he's no longer diabetic. My doctor's like, you know what? That's not going on yet in our country. I'm like, dude, it, it, I just told you he got it done. He didn't fly to, you know, uh, Nicaragua to get it done. Well, you know, they're still working. I'm like, no, it's, it's, he's now no longer a diabetic. So like my doctor isn't even up to date on what's going on. So yeah. the medical industry, right. they get their, they get their doctorate degree and not all of them. Some of them are on top of everything, but some of them just kind of get their degree and they practice medicine and they're stuck in a time warp. I find that a lot of the martial artists do that as well. However, well, it's the, it's the story of the ham, right? The, you right. cut the ham, yeah, the ends off the ham. Why, grandma? Right. You know, great, 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 great grandma. Why did she cut the ends off of the ham? Because we only had a pan that's big, you know? Right, right. A small stove, right? I use that story all yeah. the time. It's incredible. And, you know, it's true, though. We get caught in our, our thing. And, you know, so sometimes we don't even look at what's right and what's wrong. We just say, this is the way our curriculum is. This is the way our teachers taught us. And this is what we're going to teach them. And we may want to look at it and say, okay, can things be tweaked a little? Um, I love tradition. I'm, I, you know, we bow in a certain way. We act a certain way. We have a protocol from ancient times and we all, but there are modernistic approaches that I use through psychology to teach that I've learned, you know, from, from, you know, people like, Brian Tracy, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, all of these guys about how to deal with the human emotion. Um, but um, our legacy is something that we want to re- have, be able to replicate and pass down from generation to generation. So tell us a little bit more about your black belt program that you developed and why, because what you said, that key word was, um, you know, you made it exciting and different and something so that they have that next layer where they're like they're challenged and they're really feeling like I need to stick with this. So what would you do? Yeah. Well, um, so first degree is very um, assertive. It's an assertive type of training. Uh, second degree is more passive. Not that it doesn't, you know, use pain because it does. Right, uh, right. And then third degree is, um, I would say, aggressive. Okay. Um, so, so. And and first degree is all large uh, motor skills. Okay. Big muscle movements, big muscle groups moving. Second degree, a little more finer motor skills. And then at third degree, we we take both of them and we we attempt to mesh them together. So 
over that time frame, they should have this, the, the fine motor skills a lot better and be able to put a lot more power behind it. So the, uh, and, and so that's like the overview uh, of it. But then at right. first degree, they learn, you know, a series of, of uh, gun and knife uh, defenses that they, I mean, they, they don't know any of those up until that point. So that's brand new for them. At second degree, they'll take the same gun and knife defenses, but they, they do them differently um, with that whole fine motor skill concept in mind uh, and also being more passive in mind. Mm-hmm. And then at third degree, uh, they're just, you know, <laughs> they're just devastating. And then we, we move up the ladder with things. So, for instance, at um, first degree, let's say with the guns and knives, with the guns, of course, they're going to take it away. Knives, they're going to try to incapacitate the person and get away, not even try to remove the knife. They, they just want to uh, isolate the knife and or incapacitate that person to get away. Second mm-hmm. degree, uh, they, they do get the knife um, on a few things, on a few of the, the um, on a few, uh, on a few of them, but they're putting the individuals into compliance maneuvers, which allow them to be able to escort them, uh, take them down and, and those type of things. And then third degree, it's all about uh, breaking joints. It's, it, you know, basically it's three or four steps and I should be, that person should have some, something broken on them and or uh, deceased, if that makes, if that makes sense. Right. And so there's a yeah. level of progression with that. Um, so that's where I talk about the they are uh, assertive, then they're passive, because I want them to be able to temper that if they need to. Because, you know, as an adult, if I need to do something to a teenager, even though they might be a big teenager, I can't, I can't hit that teenager, right? Right. So I need to be able to do something different. And then third degree is, okay, when the crap hits the fan, what do we do? Right. I like so that you said one the, thing that I did. Yeah, I like what you said though. There are there are philosophical and mental and physical um, progressions at each level. And what I hear is like, okay, we want to have like our um, our students progress from okay, learning the basics and getting good at it and having some proficiency to the next level, which is your black belt level, where they start to become pretty fierce and the technique is harder, and then it progresses not only to more difficult, more um, uh, dangerous or more capable techniques at the next level, but also a spiritual mindset and philosophical mindset and so on. But you have it laid out according to a curriculum where you're able to replicate that physical, spiritual, and mental approach so that you're teaching these lessons that take those students that are third dons and fourth degrees and, you know, whatever they may be and make them more mentally capable, spiritually capable, physically capable, and so on. Yeah, and in that fourth degree, uh, that's when we're doing a lot of pressure point stuff. So it's a little bit different where, um, you know, we're taking the fine motor skills, uh, but we're also obviously using some big muscle movements in order to hit different points in the body to knock you out or those type of things. So, Right. I've never mastered the no-touch knockout yet, though. Yeah. I know. I've seen. Did you see the one where they move people and then they do this and they jump around? And I swear, I, 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 I've seen some magical things in my day, though. I have to say stuff that people would think I'd be making up and that they would think were fake. Like I had a teacher. His name was Bujin, and he, he could come with my teacher, Chuhan Sayak and Leo Gahi to my school when I was a kid, like 16 years old. And this guy could point his finger and he'd literally tell me where he'd make sweat drip from, which finger. And he could push drips of sweat out of, a, out of his finger. Like, and he could control it. He'd say point. And if I pointed to his pinky, he'd just focus. And all of a sudden it would literally, at a, like a quick drip, pour out of his finger. I mean, I've seen people like Chuhan Sayak who um, did reverse knockouts where he's, you know, he's barely like touching the person and, t- and moving them a certain way and they pass out. Um, but, you know, I've seen a lot of the fraudulent, fake, crazy, ludicrous behaviors that are out there that don't like, you know, just looking at a guy and they fall down and, and you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love, like, within my curriculum, I, I basically, when I Looked at all I learned from my teachers in Japan. There's like five. He teaches everything in separate, right? So, um, for example, uh, there's the Genbukan Nimpo, the ninjutsu. Then there's the jujitsu systems. Then there's the weapon arts. But each art is taught separately. 
like anything bojitsu, which is hanbo short stick and longbow, is called rokushaku bojitsu and hanbo jitsu. Then he did biken jitsu sword techniques. Then he did naginata and yari spear techniques. And then he did koru karate. Now the beauty of this is he would always say, "Hey, Ali, you're doing great." When you come to Japan, you'll test for first don, third don, in all of these systems. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like six, six grand in the hole after all the testing was done. In my right. school, I basically put it all together, and I broke it down so that it's like you're, you're – by the time you get to like a second or third degree black belt in my school, you will have um, – High ranking in jujitsu, ninjitsu, sword, beacon jitsu, broke shakubo jitsu, like all of those. But you get it included. It's all part of it. However, I have to say, though, um, my curriculum is very dense and sometimes difficult because there's a lot to remember. Um, and right. sometimes things get lost in, in translation. They get, you know, we don't focus on maybe these few moves every week, but we'll focus on this and, you know, so sometimes we have to watch what we're doing so that people don't get lost in their curriculum as well. Well, let me ask you this question, because this was uh, posed to me, gosh, it probably was 10 or so years ago, when I had a, yeah, I used to call it a mutt. Right. You know, uh, now I, you know, now I say it's more of a hybrid or an eclectic uh, uh -huh. mix, you know, of what we teach. But I had right. someone that said to me, you know, when your students are asked, you know, where do they go to karate, you know, or where do they yeah. take martial arts, and what form do they do? They can't say anything. Right. Like, they got a list. Da -da 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 -da. He goes, why don't you just make up your own name? Right. And I never did that. I never did that because, um, one, I, I don't want to take credit for right. it. Um, I mean, the only thing I could take credit for is going, hey, uh, I took these moves and I, I put them in this curriculum order. Uh, and, right. And not that there, not that there wasn't a, uh, a reason why we do this first, this second, this third, you know, or I move things around or what have you. That's not to say that, that, that wasn't me because it was. Right. Me. Um, right. but I just didn't feel right. And then what do I, what do I do? Do I use a, a Korean name? Do I use a Japanese name? Do I use an American yeah. name? Do I use an Israeli name? Do I, you know what I mean? Right. So I never right. did it. Um, but that's, I would say that that's a deficiency in my school, um, where they, they got to give the list. They can't just say, oh yeah, I, I go to Tristar Martial Arts and I do Taekwondo or I do Tungsudo or I do Aikido or I do, you know what I mean? Right. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that, um, I think that there's a lot of that going on. Like I, I meet people all the time and they say, I, I train in jujitsu. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Who's your teacher? And they're like, uh, Steve, like Steve who, uh, I don't know his last name. Well, how long you been training? Like a, a month? No, I've been training with him for like seven years. I'm like, you know, and I find it interesting. Like I just had this, we just tested a bunch of black belts and I had them do this questionnaire. Right. And it's a black belt testimonial and questionnaire because I'm going to put information up on the website with their picture and, and, um, and, and it asks questions about them as a person. And I have to tell you, it's quite interesting there. I'm finding out things that, you know, these people went me eight, nine, ten years and things that I never knew about them. Like one of them is like, I love to cook and, and I love to make desserts and these beautiful cakes and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I never knew that they, I enjoy cooking too. I would have another conversation with them. Now we have a little bit more of a connection even further. Like, so to know a little bit about your students is important. Now, however, um, you have to teach them what they're doing. Like my, when I trained with my American ninjutsu teacher, Osensei Felix Vasquez, we did a system, his system of martial arts, which was called Circle of One System. And that Circle of One System consisted of American ninjutsu through the Duncan lineage and everything that he learned on his own and put in some kata from Kyoko Shinkai and so on. But when someone asked us, we did the Circle of One System of ninjutsu, right? And then when I went to Japan, I did Genbukan Nimpo, and that was the system, but that had in a lot of the uh, different ninjutsu, jujitsu, and ruha, and family lines from so many places. But it was Genbukan ninjutsu that I was practicing, kokusai jujitsu. So in my school, it's 21st century ninjutsu. Basically, I took the old and the new, and I meshed them together. All my years of experience, my personal philosophies, everything that I do, I teach. And um, that became my own brand, my own clan, and in 21st century ninjutsu. I also did it for political reasons. I didn't want the people from the Genbukan Nimpo to think that I was stealing their material and not using their name. I didn't want 
my teacher to feel like I just took what I wanted out of his stuff and didn't use it. So I made my own system, so to speak, which is a compilation of many, many different things that I've done, but it is rooted in traditional ninjutsu and jujitsu. So that, that's how I, I have it. And my students should know that. I go, what do you do, karate? And I often tell them this is a fun thing to do with the kids. I always say, when your parents say you're going to karate, you say, no, mom, I'm not going to karate. And they're going to go, yes, you are. You go, no, no, I don't go to karate. I go to ninjutsu, right, explaining what we actually do, you know, and what is the system, 21st century ninjutsu. You've got to teach this because without it, there's no roots. No one in our lives anymore, even in our culture, they don't have roots anymore, even in their right. own culture. It's sad. We're losing our identity. Um, we're embarrassed to say that we're this religion or this culture or this, you know, um, upbringing. You know, we're afraid to say, hey, I'm an Italian or, you know, I'm African-American or I'm Jewish. You know, you got to be a blend of everything or else you look like you're, you know, um, you know, isolating others. I mean, but we're losing our identity and our culture and our history. And that's sad. So then do you think that I should come up with some sort of name? I think you already have it. Your system is TriStar Martial Arts. That's a system, right? It's it's everything that you did um, and that what you practice is all your system. So I think that is your system. You just got to make it definitive and call it that. Like if someone, you know, someone called it, they said, hey, well, what, what do you do? I go to TriStar Martial Arts. So, okay, well, what do they teach there? Well, it's the TriStar Martial Arts system developed by you like my good friend anthony arango who may be on the call once in a while he um he has his system and it's called arango martial arts it's the arango martial arts system so like it's you know everything that he's learned and he's incorporated that's what his students learn they're not they are not lost of identity they have their own system and that's what they and they believe in it and they trust in it and that's important the students got to buy into it they have to believe yeah, in see, what that's what i yeah, that's what I think I'm missing is I'm missing that that defined uh, system that brings right. in more of a culture. When I first started it and we were strictly, you know, probably for the first three years easy, we were strictly Tung Sudo. Right. There was, it was TriStar Martial Arts Academy and we, we did Tung Sudo. Right. Um, I would say that there was a, a, we were smaller, so it's easier to have a more family atmosphere. But right, we did Tung Sudo. I mean, that's yeah. what we were known for, you know. Right. Um, so I'm just wondering if I, if you know, maybe it is. It, we do TriStar Martial Arts system. What kind of martial arts yeah. do you do? TriStar Martial Arts. Right. Um, you do, and you but, do. You do. You, that's your system. That's your curriculum. After all, that's really truly what it is. But you know, but it doesn't also, sound sexy. It doesn't sound sexy well, like like Krav Maga or uh, ninjutsu or, well, you know, well, even, even though ninjutsu is an American word, it still sounds cool. Yeah. Well, ninjutsu is not an American word. Well, but I mean, it's English. I mean, I can say ninjutsu oh, in English right. and everybody knows what I'm talking about, even though, um, you know, I say Krav Maga, that's not a, that's, that's, well, or if you say Tung Sudo or Taekwondo, it's not an English yeah. term, but it still sounds cool. Well, I think the only reason why ninjutsu is familiar and it sounds like it's part of our English language is because ninja everything. I'll sit, I watch Ninja uh, American Ninja Warrior, and I hear them talking, and I actually get annoyed. Like, oh, there's another ninja. I'm like, he's not a ninja. The dude's an obstacle course guy. He's a free runner. He's not a ninja, but they've attached. Everything is a ninja. Little ninjas, ninja business owners, ninja this. And they, they've used that word ninja as some sort of, of, of um, representation of elite whatever they do, right? You know, so, right. um, but, but I think though, that's interesting. Like you would be TriStar Martial Arts. And if people wanted to know like what your lineage is, you then would list your lineage, Tang Sudo and whatever else. And that way they have a good understanding. And I think that's important because um, without it, there's this kind of old emptiness that people feel without knowing like, but then again, there are some people that don't care. Like they don't. They right. what's, what's your sensei's name? Joe. Okay, Joe. What? I don't know. Like Joe Mama. With him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been with him for ten years. You don't know who you've been teaching and training with for ten years. You don't know his last name. You know, and um, that happens. It's just like that. Just like I didn't know, like some of my students. I wish I knew more about every single one of them. Knowing that, you know, one of them loves to cook. This one it says, uh, I enjoy photography and astronomy. 
Like, I didn't know that about him. That's pretty intellectual. It's something that we, you know, that, that I didn't know he's a deeper individual, you know, that kind of thing. So our, we, we need to, I believe, build a legacy for our students. And by the way, um, you know, tradition, like I'll give you, I'll tell you two quick stories. My friend Anthony Arango, uh, who runs Arango Martial Arts Institute, people have said to them, he's not a traditional school owner. And he says tradition is nothing more than years of performing the same act over and over again, like the ham the tradition of cooking that ham for Thanksgiving was cutting the ends off of it. They were, when they got back to the roots of it, it had nothing to do with anything other than the pan or the oven being too small. Um, but uh, it became their legacy, their tradition, even though it was meaningless. So in the martial arts, if you do things over and over again, that becomes your tradition, right? So you could be a traditional school if you have 20 or 30 years behind you and you're following certain lineage and roots like you do, which are steeped in, you know, harangdo or or hapkido or tangsudo, whatever that may be, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's important for the students to understand. And the people who are listening that maybe um, they don't have a teacher or they don't have a uh, an instructor anymore that they follow, they have to look at that and they have to develop their own, their own brand. Like a Starbucks is not just the coffee, it's the everything. Right? So I need to... I, yeah, I need to do a better job in in labeling it the the you know TriStar Martial Arts. System. Yeah, absolutely curriculum, right? My teacher used to call it the uh, syllabus, right? And and man, he did have a syllabus. I mean, he had a syllabus for everything. You learned every technique in a certain order. It had the name of it in Japanese with the family line that it came from and where it was. And we got to learn this. And then after you mastered certain te- techniques, you got this. Um, Menkyo Kaiden, which is like mastership scroll in certain family lines. So you could have mastered this family line and gotten a high-ranking Menkyo Kaiden, which is like a um, the actual scrolls with the Japanese drawings from 2,000 years ago. And we had a lot to look forward to by having him as a teacher. And I still try to pass that on to my students. But sometimes I don't know, like the parents, like, we're going to karate today. They don't understand quite how lucky they are with what they have in front of them and how it should shape their children's future and adults as well they're just coming they love it they're having fun and i always tell them and i said this last night in class the deeper you get into the more you understand the better you understand the history and the lineage the deeper of a martial artist you'll be as well so i'm wondering if i should i mean i've written books but i'm wondering if i should not write a, a book about me but kind of a book about me a book about the studio what we, what and who we are and um maybe i make that mandatory reading yeah, and you know what? Um, by the way, Mike uh, Mok, uh Mike Bodansky just got online, and uh, we interviewed him not too long ago. And he um, he is a Tang Sudo, I believe, uh, or Korean martial artist. And um, you know, he's got that same thing, similar, very similar to you. He has his own lineage, but he's still rooted with his teachers, and he's been doing this for forever. Um, but yeah, I I agree, Dwayne. You have to. Sometimes it's hard for us as martial artists to talk about what we are. Because it almost seems like boasting or bragging, right? Because, look, no one wants to talk about themselves. They're like, oh, this guy's cocky. All he does is – but, like, if we don't educate, it's not talk. It's not um, bragging. It's not cockiness. It's education. It's almost like saying, um, right. I don't know, like, you know, I'm trying to think of uh, – let's pretend like a chef, right? And they they follow certain um, dialects of cooking, meaning, like, they're – they're Italian chefs, they're Asian fusion chefs, they're, you know, Mediterranean, and, and, they, and they're known for that thing. So um, their roots come from a certain seasoning, a certain flavoring, a certain cooking procedure, which creates that type of, you know, that era of cooking. Um, so we, we sometimes don't have that, and we need to really have that so that people could feel different, or else... We put ourselves in a place where people could say, hey, Dwayne, you're not, you know, hey, you, I don't like your attitude, Dwayne. I'm going to go down the road because you're just one of 40 different flavors in my town. And you really don't, you know, you're just like everyone else. When in reality, you're so different. But people don't take the time to realize the values of what you are. So that's something like years ago, I wrote an article called Toot Your Own Horn. And sometimes it's like a did you know article. Did you know that Dwayne Brumman has been training for 28 years? Did you know that or 30 years? Did you know that his school's been open for 25? Did you know that he's promoted X amount of black belts? Did you know that he had this rank in this system? You know, and, uh, you know, and also this and that. So that the students are like getting it. Like we're doing um, in our leadership team, 
um, you know, coming up on the uh, on September, I have a whole entire lesson plan on learning about ninjutsu. I'm going to make a piece of paper like I did here, and it's going to and I'm going to have them. It's going to have all the questions like when the style started, you know, who I am, how what rank I am, where I learned from, and I'm going to have them fill it out in front of me so they literally have a dossier or a or a, an understanding of what they're actually doing because I want them to be educated. I want someone to say, hey, what do you train in? And I don't want them to go, I don't know, I think it's ninjutsu, but I'm not really sure. Right. Like I want them to have some educated answers to like throw at the people who ask them questions. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I I I like it. I like yeah. it. I need to I, I need to I need to do something like that. Uh, did you know or, or yeah. something like that to really solidify what's what's happening? Yeah, I could um I could get that article that I wrote or the thing it was actually an article for school owners on how they learn to talk about themselves. Even though though I you know, sometimes you are you know, you are totally genuine about it. You know, people will take it, oh there he goes, he's talking about himself again. But if I don't do it and my staff is not trained to do it, then who's gonna do it? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to talk highly about me? Who's going to say anything nice about me um, if they don't really actually know it? They might say, yeah, he's a great guy. He's great with the kids. But they're not going to say things like, yeah, he's the only guy in town. Like, in my area, everybody who does ninjutsu that teaches in a school or in a program, they, my, they're my students and they broke off. So if anyone's going to say, hey, I want to go to so-and-so dojo down the road, they should know that that guy was an offshoot of me. He was my student. So why go with the student when you could train with the head instructor who founded it all, who taught that person, that, that kind of mentality? Go ahead. Right. Did, did you uh, see what Bob wrote? I did. You want to read it? Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, Bob wrote um, – Tang Sudo is China hand equaling karate, you know, and do they, do they are all great arts? Who do you feel? What karate do? Karate do. Oh, karate do. Karate do. Yeah. Um, they yeah. are all great arts. Who, who do you feel what you have become? All arts were created from the experience of the head of the system. I, I agree though. Um, I, I think that um, you, we need to know if I'm reading this correctly, maybe you could give me your interpretation of this, but I think that, um, we do know, need to know the roots, right? Like right now, we're throwing away our, our, our personal roots. Our, our, I'm furious that they're taking down monuments. That And even if the monument represents something that maybe could be perceived as negative, it's part of our legacy and our history. Do you need to remove it because some fluffy people are, are upset and offended because the monument represents a thing that happened 7,500 years ago? Like, it's so stupid. You can't erase history. You can only learn from it, but there's no reason to remove it. So I believe that Bob is saying that we need to remember where our arts came from, who started them. Um, they were experienced and created by a head of a certain system. Who is that person and why did he do that? Like, you know, why do we wear tabby, those little ninja shoes on our feet? Why do other people go barefoot? It all had to do with origin, where you worked out, where you lived on the ocean by the beach, or you lived up in the mountains in the rocks, you know. So there was all different reasons, and I love to share. In fact, I did a video on, on history and protocol last Thursday. One of my biggest viewed videos, almost a 1,000 views on it, all about history and culture and protocol, and um, many martial arts school owners sharing it with their students. It was a, a well-received video, but I talked about, um, you know, the reasons why people bow, the reasons why they don't touch their instructor, the reasons why, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, Paul wrote there, uh, when I first joined my school, our welcome packet came with a sheet of the history of our school and style. Uh, we learned about uh, our sensei and our testing involved questions about the style of past. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, Paul, I I, I do put some of that into uh, the tests with regards to, you know, what are the four uh, arts that make up uh, TriStar Martial Arts Academy? And I guess yeah. I should reword that and say, what are the, what are the, uh, you know, four styles or arts that make up TriStar Martial Arts Academy curriculum, curriculum or or program or style Sy system, system, right? Yeah, yeah, because it is a system, right? Everything about what you do, because I know you, you come from a very analytical mind, and um, 
I know you and you, everything you do has been well thought out. And, and students should know that, right? They should know that it wasn't just haphazard. Although a lot of people, I, I feel sad for the up and coming new martial artists that don't really have a classical upbringing. They don't have traditional background, meaning like they didn't really have a teacher that had super huge amount of experience, right? So like I've got 50 years in the martial arts. I've trained with some of the most world-renowned people ever. I'm lucky to be able to have learned from them and pass that on. Um, um, but a lot of people don't have that. So they, they seminar their way through. They're like, hey, what would be really interesting? I'm going to uh, add in, I don't know, uh, basket weaving this year. And that's going to be part of our curriculum because it's popular now. Like, it's not right. about that only. It's very important that we all have to understand, you know, that, uh, you know, we do what we do because that's how we, we were raised and there were reasons behind it. Someone did an angry face, um, Sensei Bodansky, on, uh, on it. Uh, he hit it for Paul. I don't know why, but um, maybe you could clarify yeah, that. that. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Um, maybe, welcome back. We learned a lot about it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe hit the wrong button. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I think that that's important for us to understand that we have to have that legacy. And by the way, you know, like you said, you build this thing where people could go, yeah, he wrote it was a mistake. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> you could go back in and, and just re-hit it. Uh, Shion and uh, it'll fix it but I thought you would agree with him because you're I know you you're a traditional martial artist so I know you would agree with that um, but you know it's interesting Dwayne too like you know the, it's hard for a young instructor it's hard for a martial artist who's now finds himself on his own because he left his teacher um, and uh, maybe the teacher passed away or maybe they had a problem and they had a fight um, but what I find now is most people want to be the man, so they break off from their teacher and they go out on their own, and then they are um, doing their own thing, but they don't really have enough um, substance to be able to yeah. do that. So they develop this curriculum based on seminars and videos and all this stuff, and the system is a very weak, watered-down, bad representation of what martial arts should be. And that's why years ago I met Steven Seagal in around 1996 or 7, um, and I asked him a question. I said, where do you feel the martial arts should be going? Now, Steven Seagal, world-renowned martial artist, movie star, action hero, um, and he said to me, Ali, I think they're going to go in three directions. He says, you're going to see the traditional schools staying alive, and fighting to stay alive. He says, then you're going to see the sport martial arts like MMA and, you know, challenge matches because the UFC had just come out. And then he says, you're going to see the commercial schools that are nothing more than a business model, a business system, a business concept. And, and they're going to grow and make a ton of money, but they're going to be teaching many people a very weak curriculum, a weak um, system, you know, and it's almost like going to college and, and, graduating and people go, yeah, that's a, a SUNY college with no good reputation. It's almost like you didn't go to college at all because we you don't respect it. You know, yeah, I mean? it was an online college. It was an online right, yeah. college. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's very, very important that we do, um, you know, we do live with this focused, you know, mindset. And it's, and by the way, that's why it's important to educate our clientele that their, the curriculum is a certain way because then they could go, no, 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 my system comes from this. It comes from that. You know, M Master Brummett, he learned it from here. He passed these things on, and the roots are steeped in tradition. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, you know, um, uh, the, the individuals, like, if you think about the immigrants, right, um, that have a steep tradition in the motherland or whatever and right. they pass that down to the next generation and those people are so proud that they came from italy or they came from japan or they came from wherever that tradition also helps with their uh confidence there is a there is a pride that comes with that type of tradition inside of your family right Right. And everybody, everybody's looking for that family, that tradition, that lineage. And especially, how about us, right? We're, again, we did a call. What was it called? Uh, like we're the last line of defense or something for, right, right. for this, you know, for uh, people nowadays, for this uh, generation. And, I, and yeah. you know what? That's, that's one thing that we didn't bring up now that I'm thinking about it. That's one thing that we didn't bring up. 
in that call is we also have the uh you know the the family tradition the heritage with regards to where you know we came from and now what they're learning i remember that i remember you know the the first art that i did and the lineage and uh the history was so important now part of that was because it was it was um brought to the forefront and it yeah. was told to be important yeah. and uh, and i ate it up um yeah. and and i think that you know that that's that's probably something that's really missing inside of my school but i say that because i think it's a, a missing piece uh maybe for a lot of school owners too that our society needs not right. just our school needs but our society needs us to have for them we might their family heritage might be all messed up or their pc correct and they they they're going to look to us for that heritage yeah, it's funny. My teacher, Oh Sensei Felix Vasquez, just joined our discussion, right? So he, um, he and I go back since the you know late '80s, right, or early mid '80s. Um, and I've always, um, you know, I've always honored him and still do as my teacher. Now, um, that's also tradition that's missing. Like when you don't have teachers and you can't say who they are and you quit and you hurt your teachers by leaving and doing bad things to them. You're, you're like a boat out at sea with no help whatsoever, right? So it's always good to have that lineage, and that's why I say that our students should understand it at least. Even if they move on on their own, they can at least say, this is where I trained, this is what I did, this is what it was there for, um, and it's important. And um, Master Bodansky wrote, there's a reason why we study history in school. And I agree, yeah. sir. I think that that's so important. They, like you know, they do but, anymore. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, there there was a reason why we studied it in school, but I, I just heard the stupidest thing. I have to say this, and it, it's a little apolitical, but um, uh, I just read an article. Who knows if it's true, but someone said that they're trying to name, rename the body parts of a female because they don't like how people refer to them. So they're trying to say, you know, this or that. You know, they're not saying the names of the actual body parts, you know, because they find it offensive. And I'm going like, what kind of world do we live in where we can't even talk, we can't speak about history, and um, if we keep on doing this, it's just simply destroying our, our world. We're going to be afraid we're going to walk on eggshells. And that's why I feel martial arts is always about history, tradition, and culture. Like if people see that, they would see our martial arts as the most important things. Because I did a, last month, the month before I think it was, we did a leadership lesson plan, which was about who are you. It was all about their, their culture, their religion their background. So I wanted to know if they knew that. My goal was to get the kids to ask mom and say, hey, mom, what, what nationality am I? Because nowadays they don't even know. Like, okay, right. I'm Italian, I'm Irish, I'm German. Like, okay, well, tell me a little bit about where our family came from. What, and, they, and all these questions led them to sit with their parents and talk about what religion are they? Some of them ended up coming up with an answer that says, we have no religion. And uh, we basically, um, we follow this mindset, which is also a great conversation to have, right? Um, but uh, whether they're Christian or they're Buddhist or they're this, but they don't, they, we don't discuss this anymore. It's almost like we're not, we don't know. So it's, it, the whole lesson plan was about finding out who they were and why their name is so on and well, you're su you're such and such and where that name came from. And, and it was a really cool lesson because these kids actually learned, and even my adults that are in the program learned a lot about their history and their background. A few of them went on to swab their DNA and go to, you know, uh, the, the different things and find out who they were. I thought it was very inspiring I, to see that. Yeah, here's how my mind works. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, I, as soon as you started saying that, I was like, well, did you get an affiliate link to, like, the right. DNA swapping thing? Wouldn't would that be great to do it? Um, like, I think that that would be important for us to, uh, you know, to, to, to set that up ahead of time as business owners. Go to this link and sign up for whatever it's called, Ancestry, and uh, use yeah. my link. Use my link to do it. But, um, yeah, I love Mike Bodansky, uh, Sensei, what he wrote, when I teach, I always credit the teachers I learn from. Yeah, I don't think there's a class that I teach that I don't mention O Sensei Vasquez. I, I mean, people, he's legendary in my school. And Tanimoto Sensei from Japan, legendary in my school. Tuhan Chris Sayak, God rest his soul, he passed away last year. Um, I talk about stories, and it's funny. Um, it's all about, you know, these little things that I learned from them, and I learned how to treat them that made me the man that I am today, the father that I am today, the teacher that I am today. 
So legacy is so important, and I think school owners need to dig deep and find out who they are and, like, why are they who they are. And if they, if they know that but they don't want that to be their identity, they could recreate it by saying, I am my own system because I took from here, 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 and here. But their students need to know. They need to know who they are. They can't just say, I do Taekwondo. Like, well, really, why? Why are you doing Krav Maga moves then? You know, like, why are you doing, um, you know, traditional sword? You know, it's not part of Taekwondo. Like, you know, ha- have a reason. Let them know. Explain to them why, you know, and what it is. And give them a little historical background. Right. Yeah. Well, and my uh, my head instructor, Mr. Bean, uh, he, it's funny because he uh, is really getting into two things. And he's a, he's a fifth degree with me. Uh, he's getting into the forms a lot more now ever before and and uh primarily the the bunkai you know right applications and then um the history of of tungsudo and subakto and uh with he's just he's uncovering a lot of different things with uh um grandmaster wang ki right and with with Subacto, and I gave him all my stuff that I have, and he's bought books, and he's, like, researching stuff online, and it's just really interesting, and I don't want to bash anything or say anything about anybody, you know, on this podcast, but it's it's really interesting that his eyes are being opened to different things that he never saw before that I've mentioned to him, but now yeah. that he's, like, super interested in it, you know, I actually referred him to one of my other fifth-degree black belts, uh, uh, or excuse me, one of my other fourth degree black belts who uh, really is into history of right. the, of that, that particular system, and uh, it's just been neat for for him. Uh, and, and you know, I everything that he's bringing back to me, some of it, a lot of it, I already knew anyways. But there's some of it that I didn't know, and uh, it's just it's been neat for him to to do that. Um, but I don't like. I, I, you know, I don't know that everybody wants to get it that in depth, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It makes total sense. Um, I think that, I think that we have to continually understand that, you know, in order for us to progress as martial artists, our students have to grow sometimes beyond us, right? Um, like, for example, one of my students, Renji Ryan, who's one of, you know, one of my top guys, if not the top highest rank in my system right now, um, he, uh, he loves to grapple. I mean, like everything, you know, he eats, sleeps and grapples BJJ and loves to be rolling. Like, what are you doing this weekend? I'll be going, I'm going to go train and roll around and yada, yada, yada. He, he's now helping us promote our grappling tournament. He, he loves to go into the schools and he brings his gi with him just in case they invite him to roll around. And he, as a nice gesture, he re- grapples with them. Um, so, but anyway, you know, I, I'm proud to see him, uh, you know, that he's progressed so far and to see his ability and um, be able to say, like, maybe he's going to be better than me one day, you know, and, and, you know, be able to say, hey, you know, if you really want to learn grappling, I could teach you, but I'm going to recommend you to Renchi Ryan because he's, you know, far superior than I. Um, and that's a good feeling. Sometimes we feel nervous about that. You know, as school owners, we feel like, hey, we want to hold our students back. We put our thumb on them because we don't want them to be better than us. Um, and that really creates a rift within within the culture too. So we have to understand. And there's a great picture that that kind of um, represents this this mentality with the Ninja Turtles. It's the Splinter as a big character with the four baby Ninja Turtles holding his hand. And then the next picture is Splinter like this big, and the Ninja Turtles are all grown up. And it says sometimes the stu- the teacher raises the students so that the students can then take care of their teacher, right? And that's really what it's all about, and that's what legacy is all about. And we sometimes are afraid to, um, you know, to do that, and I think that that's important that we're not afraid of that. Right, so what else? Yeah. Do you have any closing closing thoughts? No, I'm just wondering uh, what do you think that uh, the school owners could do, because obviously I, I haven't done a great job, so maybe you're more qualified, but what do you think the school owners could do to um, make sure that they they do create that legacy inside of their school so that, uh, you know, their instructors that, you know, are teaching for them, uh, their students, and sub- subsequently the, the students to come in the future, um, you know, how do they get 
bought into that that legacy. Right. I think first and foremost, they have to have a curriculum. And when I when I looked at my curriculum, I basically did it backwards, right? Because in my vision, I wanted to see what a black belt should be. So I took it, – it's really simple. I've taught people to do this. Is taking like um, 20 blank sheets of paper and putting them out on the desk and labeling it white belt, yellow belt, green belt, blue belt, purple, brown, and black, right? And then put together what you want them to learn. And you could either write it down on a sticky note, you know, bow kata three, boom, stick it on the black belt. That's a black belt move. You know, bow this, boom. So if you don't have a curriculum, you could build it out and work backwards because you want to have a thin, basic beginner curriculum. It gets a little thicker and more and more, and it kind of builds up to black belt level, right? But you can't start at white belt and then work your way up to black because of what from past experience I could tell you you'll end up having a curriculum that's untouchable when they get to black belt. They're going to have to fly, levitate, be able to hold their breath for four years underwater and yada, 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 right? Um, so we got to work backwards so that it's realistic and you could tweak it along the way. Go, no, 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 this maybe is too hard for a white belt. Let's move it to here. This is too hard. And if you're developing your own curriculum and you're coming up with something, but it's very important for us to do that. Um, and then to look at our curriculum, even though that maybe ancient times have said, um, you know, that this is what we should be doing, sometimes it's a different mindset now. People are less focused. They're less able to grasp a certain concept. So we might need to move, split, divide it up between two ranks, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to be real careful with what you lay out. But what I love about you, what you said in the first part of our conversation, is you thought of it all. The, when you when you thought when I'm not saying you thought of it all, but when you thought of it all, right? When you were thinking of it, you thought like, what do I want a first degree be, to be able to be? I want them to be fierce, but I, and then but yet second degree, I want them to be super fierce, but also have a compassionate side. I want them, you know, like I want them to understand. Like I did a yoga class this morning, a special thing in my um, in my summer camp, and I had one young kid who I could see when we were closing our eyes and meditating, he was literally grasping his fists and shaking. And I'm like, relax, you know, why are you so tense? I don't like having my, you know, eyes closed and thinking about nothing, you know, and um, something's going on there, right? Like, I don't know why he was feeling that way. Why would, why closing your eyes and being still creating him to be angry and, and upset? So there's got to be a certain thing within our curriculum so that when someone is a blue belt in your school or a brown belt, you know they're going to have a certain level of consciousness, understanding, ability, and, and so on, right? They're, you know, everyone, you ever, you ever have someone say, oh, Dwayne, you're a black belt? Oh, I'd love to have you in a dark alley if I ever. Everyone assumes a black belt could kill people, and they're deadly, right? When I know many black belts that couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag and you know, with a hole in it. You know, right. and to get them started. Like, so, so just because we have that stigma of black belt being the ultimate level, um, sometimes it's just barely a starting point for some, right? So we have to have these, these fail safes put in place that we know if they get to a certain rank, they have a certain aptitude and understanding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to put in a link for those that are interested. I'm just about to hit send. I just copied it off of the link in Facebook. It's a massive link, but I'm, maybe it'll condense down when I hit hit send. But no, it doesn't look like it did. But it has my video on protocol. I put it in the Facebook um, thing that we're talking about right now, and it has um, it has my link to the protocol and you know bowing and all these little things that I've learned from my teachers while in Japan, and, and people really enjoyed it and so on. So. Let's um let's see if people want to share that and you know they could share it because it's an open link they could share it with their students they could get some ideas on it and um yeah if you have any questions guys Dwayne and I have put together curriculums that have stood the test of time my school 28 years how long have you been in your school 20 yeah 20 years I mean that's two decades right according to the book from good to great most businesses fail within five years half of the businesses that succeed after five fail within 10 years, right? Rarely does a business make it to 20. And then major companies like McDonald's, they're the ones that pass the 50 year mark, right? The centennial right, mark, right. I think it's called. Um, and uh, uh, so, so having a business like myself and staying relevant for 28 years, it's not easy. I have to tell people that it's not easy to be able to still stay where people want to come to me and, you know, energy is still there and exciting and so on. So uh, to stay 20 years in a business, you know how it is. It's hard work. It is. It is. And it, and it's funny because this year I reflected on on it so much more than I've ever reflected on it before. And I go, my gosh, it's 
I, I, don't get me wrong, I have uh, a phenomenal staff, but this is, uh, this, it's hard. Like I, I actually thought to myself, how in the heck did I get to, you know, float at 270, 275 people? Right. It, it, it baffles me. Now, before I was just in boom, 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 but this year I, I just kind of took a step back and I'm amazed uh, at that. So it, it is, it's a lot, of, a lot of hard work. Yeah, and by the way, Master Bogdansky had said that, uh, Dwayne, I was just on your website. You have many videos, but none of your karate classes. So I wrote, is that the Facebook or the website? But is that, is that your website that he's talking about, maybe? Yeah, basically uh, it's my blog articles that I've turned into videos. So I, I have uh, uh, music to them and different images and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's right. I don't have anything of the classroom going on. And then now yeah. what I've been doing, too, is taking some of my more popular blog posts, and then I've been actually uh, uh, physically doing the video, uh, redoing the blog post and putting a little extra things in it. So, yes, he's right that I don't have my classroom being videotaped yeah. and then uh, put that on there. That's probably something I should do. Yeah, you should. And my, I, I do a lot of live posts, a lot of Facebook lives. I'm always like, hey, and I'm not really good at selfies. Like, it's always half my eye and, like, things like that. But I'm like, hey, check out my class. This is my leadership class Saturday morning. Like, I did a video. You know the Wave Masters? You know the ones we buy from Century, and then they break and fall apart, and everyone just throws them out? I peeled the skin, the padded part, off the Wave Master, and um, I, I call it my Wave Master graveyard, and I have like 22 of them, and I go, kids, grab the Wave Masters, and they grab the broken ones that have just the pad in it, and they put it out on the floor, and we do like one-two punch, front kick, double double leg takedown, or, or we'll do spinning kicks, and they, they love knocking stuff down and hitting it into each other. But um, I did a video on that, and all the instructors were like, wow, this is a great idea. I just threw 10 of those away. I'm not going to throw them away anymore, like that kind of thing. So the more we share for the school owners that are watching, the more we create this vibe of who we are, the look who we are. Um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Dwayne Brumman. I'm Ali Alberigo, and I've been running this school for 28 years, you know, or 20 years. And where, you know, blah, blah, blah. People are like who are watching might be like, wow, I want a guy with that kind of experience. I don't want that young 20-year-old who just opened the school, although he's really cool and nice and great. But I want a guy who could guide my children, guide me as an adult, and teach me ways of that I could have less. Like, who's going to go to a 15, 20-year-old uh, or, you know, a, a 15 or 20-year-old uh, martial art instructor that just opened their school um, and ask them to teach them as an adult how to be a better adult, right? They're going to want somebody who they feel like they could follow. And that's important why we do that whole toot-your-own-horn thing. Well, and it needs to be, what I'm uh, getting from this is it needs to be done systematically. I, I, I'm reminded about uh, this summer, we, we have reading time for the summer camps. And uh, the kid, one of these kids didn't bring a book, so I gave him one of my books. It right. was a, uh, my goal-setting book. And so they read part of it that day, and then when they got picked up that night, they told their mom, I want Mr. Brummett's book. And they go, Mr. Brummett has a book? I know, right? Isn't it crazy? Dude, I, but I'm not doing a good job. I'm not doing a good job. I sold a book. You're not. You know, and you're then, not. It, you you got to get that out there, right? Like, because, but I also, too, you, you tell people stuff, and sometimes they're just not, you know, the old saying, the student's ready when the, the, the teacher, student's ready when the teacher will appear. The teacher, the teacher is ready when the student appears. Or no, the, the whatever it is, anyway. Yeah, exactly. When, well, the, when, the, when, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. The teacher appears, right. So, I, I mean, I've had people where I said, hey, I saw, they, I heard moms talking. They're like, hey, um, you know, we're looking for a book for Johnny to read. And I'm like, uh, 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 excuse me, I have a book for kids. And they're like, no, no, we want a real book. <laughs> I'm like, I literally did a slow turnaround and just walked away. Like, I was about ready to say, what are you talking about? Like, what's wrong with you? But I, I should have said, you know, no, mine is a real book. Check it out. Here it is. Take a look through it. It's all about blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I've incorporated that into my 2468 10-week uh, automation emails, right? Hey, Mrs. Jones, I'm glad that you joined my little warrior program. And they get an email and a text message, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is what we do. And by the way, I don't know if you're aware, but we have a really cool book that she and Allie wrote for kids. And it shows a picture of the book. And do that over the course of a series of times. So, because what is it? It takes a lot of messaging these days to penetrate through that skull. They say it used to be between five and eight. Now it's like eight to 15 times people have to hear something before they go, oh, really? Like I had a, a grappling clinic yesterday at my school and people were trying to sign up the night before. I'm like, come on, guys. You know, I had to buy the medals. I'm preparing. Not that I don't want you to come. 
but couldn't you have done it a little earlier? Like I'm trying to set up a dinner tonight for my daughter. We're taking her away before she taking her out before she goes to college, and I'm still waiting for relatives to respond. Like it's tonight. Like you could talk. Well, well, we don't know uh, this and that. And, like you're just waiting for something better to come along. I think right because that's the mentality. I think. So anyway, Paul wrote. Um, I have all notifications. Oh, he said that he, he watches my videos when they come on, that I have a calm aura that surrounds me and relaxes people in the videos. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. Lot, lots of laugh. I struggle. I understand with this because of my young age. Yeah, Paul is young. Paul, How, how old are you, Paul? 24? 25? Um, and he runs a really successful school. I'm very proud of him. You know, I've been coaching him for years, and we, him and I became friends. He comes and stays at my house sometimes, and uh, – he just moved to a new location, a big and beautiful location. He's building the school. It's twice the size. It's going to be gorgeous. But he's a young man. I told him by the time a 35-years-old rolls around, if he does, plays his cards right, he could be a millionaire. Right? And that's important. Yeah, he's 24. That's okay. awesome. All right, Dwayne, I guess so. we ran over today. Awesome, awesome call. Yeah, well, we'll let everybody go. And, uh, you know, I guess everybody go out there and uh, build a better, better legacy than I did. <laughs> yeah. And I, let's talk next week about yours and what you're doing to change it. Sounds good. Awesome, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.